Uh, this morning, uh, uh, the, the title of the message is The Spell. The Spell. Uh, last night, I spoke on uh, Escape from the Black Hole. How many of you were present last night? Okay, good, good, good. Uh, so this morning, I know that that was on the schedule, but I'm not going to be speaking about that. I will be speaking about the spell. And I also want to let you know that tonight's message uh, is entitled The Beast from the Abyss. Tomorrow afternoon's message will be entitled Holy Rebellion. Holy Rebellion. And those two messages tonight and tomorrow will be dealing especially with music. Oh. <laughs> so without um, further ado, let's pray and ask the Lord to, to bless us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. Please, Lord, speak to us today. Open our eyes that we may see the unseen. And Father, come close to us, we pray, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Revelation chapter 18 and verse 23. Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. The title of the message, The Spell. The Spell. Revelation chapter 18, verse 23 the Bible tells us there, speaking of Babylon, it says, The light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy what? Sorceries were all nations deceived. We learned yesterday that the Greek word for sorcery was, what everyone? Pharmakia. Very good. And that the word pharmakia simply meant anything that medicated or medicates the mind. Anything that medicates the mind. In particular, so that it will not follow the will or the law of God. In our language, we would say that someone is under a what? A spell. And today, beloved, I want to talk to you in, in relationship to what we learned yesterday about who you are, who you are supposed to be in Christ, I want to talk to you about the spell. <clears throat> Where did the spell begin? How can we know what the spell is? And how can we break the spell? Those are the things we're going to be looking at this morning. And I'd like to take you to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and the story there that we will look at briefly, we're not going to look at the entire story, we're looking at one verse really. It's the story of, of uh, Saul as he was commanded by God uh, to destroy their enemies, and they were commanded to leave nothing. And you remember the story, I believe, what did, what did Saul do? Instead of destroying everything, he kept what? He kept what he considered the best. And Samuel the prophet comes to him, and uh, we're going to read in verse 15 of, or rather verse 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. Notice what it says as Samuel addresses Saul. He says, For rebellion 
is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. And I want to point this out to you here. You'll notice that the is and the as are italicized. If you're reading in the King James Version, is and as are italicized, which means that the Bible is not saying here that rebellion is something similar to witchcraft. No, it is actually saying that rebellion is witchcraft. It is witchcraft. So we ask the question, where did rebellion begin? It began in heaven, which lets us know, wow, this is incredible. Rebellion and, or, or witchcraft and sorcery were first exercised where? In heaven. The spell, as we are calling it today, began in heaven. And so I'd like now to turn to Ezekiel 28, and we're going to figure out what this spell was and how it is affecting mankind today. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. We read this verse yesterday. I'll read it again, beginning with verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. The cherub meaning angel. Thou hast walked up and down upon the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. Notice verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now I want you to notice verse 18. Speaking of Lucifer, it says, Thou hast defiled thy what? Sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. Lucifer began this rebellion by defiling something called the sanctuary. In the Hebrew here, the term is holy places, plural. Question, was there a sanctuary in heaven? Yes, indeed, there was. God's throne, the Bible tells us, or God's sanctuary, rather, rather, is like his glorious high throne. Jeremiah 17, verse 2, tells us that God's sanctuary is like his throne. Beloved, if you can imagine it like this, the sanctuary in heaven was like the White House of the universe. Do you get that? It is the place from which God uh, uh, ruled. It was his, 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 his throne. It was his place of dominion. And when Lucifer... Uh, who was, in fact, how many of you um, have seen a picture of the sanctuary? Ever seen an illustration of the sanctuary? And you see there in the holy place, you see two angels standing over the Ark of the Covenant. One of those angels represented who? Lucifer, which is why he's called the covering angel, the covering cherub. So Lucifer began to defile something in heaven called the sanctuary, which is really the place where God ruled, which, which in essence, beloved, is simply telling us that Lucifer in heaven began to challenge the rulership of God. Does that make sense? He began to challenge the government of God. That's what he did in heaven. The Bible tells us that Lucifer in particular was against something. And we t we're told here that the Bible says he defiled the sanctuary by his what? Iniquity. Now, what did we learn iniquity is? Sin. First John 3 verse 4 tells us whosoever sins transgresses the law. 
for sin is the transgression of the law. So what was it that Lucifer was in rebellion against in heaven? He was in rebellion against the law. Now we are beginning to understand what the spell is. It began in heaven and it was war against the law of God. And beloved, it's amazing to learn that one third of holy angels fell under this spell. One third of angels, holy angels, believed Lucifer's lie that the law of God was unrighteous, was, was uh, uh, unnecessary, and because of it we have the first major rebellion. It's no wonder then that we find when that rebellion or that spell is brought to earth, uh, uh, Lucifer comes to Adam and Eve and says, or rather to Eve and says, hey, in essence, you don't need to do what? Obey God in order to discern between right and wrong. Remember what was he trying to do? He was trying to mess up or destroy the ability of the who? The jurors to discern between right and wrong. So then Eve partakes of this fruit. And what happens, beloved? Eve falls under the, the spell. Adam is next. He listens to his wife. They plummet mankind. Into this spell. Revelation chapter 18 verse 23. The word there sorcery. The definition tells us anything that medicates the mind. So that it will not follow the will or the law of God. Now let me ask you a question. If. I am in. Mental. Rebellion. Against the law of God. What am I under? The spell. Let me make it even clearer. If I look at the law of God, any one of those commandments, and say that commandment I don't need to keep, it is an evidence or a sign that I have either ignorantly or knowledge, knowledgeably, I am under what? The spell. The spell of rebellion. And now I want to focus in, beloved, because you hear today this spell being promoted all over, especially in various Christian movements, that as Christians, we do not need to what? To keep the law of God. And beloved, I want to let you know today, I want you to rest assured that that is simply an echo of the, the spell. Now, let me ask you, what does a juror need in order to function properly? A set of laws, rules. If there are no laws, if there are no rules, there's no need for what? For jurors. There, you know, what do we judge by? 
Just what we think is right or wrong? No, there's got to be a set law, beloved. And what the devil is trying to do is he's trying to take away the law of God so that jurors will be left to discern between right and wrong for themselves. It's a spell. And, and, and the devil knows that he can't get, you know, there, there are many Christians who are going, no, 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 you, you're crazy. We know the law of God still stands. So because he can't get him on the whole thing, he's going to attack him on one point of the law because James tells us that whosoever offends in how many? One point is guilty of all. And so he focuses in on that fourth commandment, which says, remember the what? Sabbath day to keep it holy. A spell. A spell, beloved, that has taken over so much of Christianity. And it's so interesting. I'm going to share this later. I may share it now. I'm just wondering what I should do. I'll share it now and I'll share it again later. I hope it doesn't mess up my focus for tomorrow. But, beloved, I want to share something with you. And it is this. Lucifer in heaven did not intend to be evil. It was not his intent to be evil. Lucifer's challenge was simply this. I can be good without God telling me how to be good. Did? Should I give you a couple minutes? I can be good without God telling me how to be good. He didn't go to the angels and say, hey, who wants to be evil? His argument was simply, listen, there are other ways of being righteous than the one way that God has said. He doesn't hold the market on righteousness. How dare he say that there is only one way to truth? And it was this argument, beloved, that convinced one third of holy angels to go along with what they thought was a holy argument. How many of you are catching that? You see, and so as we, we see this holy rebellion, and I'm giving you a giving, doing a little giveaway now for my message for tomorrow morning. But as we see this holy rebellion which took place in heaven, that's what it was, beloved. It was not a rebellion only. It was a holy rebellion. It was under a holy disguise. We are out to make right the things that are not right with the government of God. And beloved, you know, I find Sunday lays on the very same principles. There are other ways to worship God. That was the old way. This is the new way. And and, and how dare you say that this is rebellion? It's not rebellion. We're just trying to say that there is now a new way. And even though it is nowhere to be found in the word of God that Sunday has been sanctified, set aside, anything like that, we're still going to go with that. And beloved, it's amazing. Let me tell you why. Because sorcery is anything that medicates the mind so that it will not follow the law of God. That's what the spell was in heaven. The angels rebelled against the law, and so we find mankind doing the same now, and it's even now down into what we might call a holy rebellion. We don't keep the law of God. You know what's interesting? Uh, 
if you read the beginning of a book and the end of, book, of a book and you find consistency in both the beginning and the end, what can you conclude? That, that the, the same must have been true the whole way, the whole way through. It's amazing, beloved, that as we look at the book of Genesis, we find the Sabbath commandment right there in chapter 2. That was in the beginning. And all the way down to the end of time, Isaiah 66 and verse 22 tells us that the Sabbath will be kept throughout all eternity in heaven. Now, let me ask you, what kind of sense would it make for God to give the Sabbath commandment in Genesis? The Sabbath will be kept all through eternity, but in between, he said, there's no longer a need to keep the Sabbath. Come on, jurors. Do we have any jurors in here? <laughs> Let, let's think carefully now. Let's set aside our preconceived you know, thoughts and all those things, and let's say what kind of sense would that make? The answer is it doesn't make sense. It's sorcery. And so, beloved, it's interesting that the first part of this spell then is what we might call the spell of deception. Because once you, you, you open yourself up to this spell, it leads into other deceptions when it comes to other portions of Scripture. It's like a domino effect. It starts off with one thing, but the more and more it goes is the more deception it leads to in terms of prophecy and in terms of teachings and in terms of doctrines. You begin to come up with all kinds of things that are not to be found in the word of God. So, the devil has put mankind under a spell of deception. But there is another part to that spell. You see, when, when, when Satan came down to Adam and Eve, not only did he sell them this spell, not only did, they, did, they, did he bring them under this spell of deception in thinking, hey, I can discern for myself what is right and wrong. When they ate of that tree, they fell under another spell, and I'm going to call that the spell of weakness. And what that was, if you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the Bible tells us the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not what? Subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, let me, have any of you ever heard the term mystery of iniquity? Okay, you ever wonder what that meant? What is the mystery of iniquity? The mystery, a mystery is something that does not have an, an answer, a reason. It's strange. You, you wonder how it works and you can't figure it out. Beloved, sin is a mystery. Now, let me ask you, how many of you have ever said, you know what, that's it. I've had enough. I'm going to do good. <laughs> yeah. And um, you go out to do good, <laughs> but the good that you would, you don't do. But the evil that you would not, that you find yourself doing. Anybody? <laughs> Let me tell you where that began. It began in heaven. Lucifer said, oh, God, I don't need you to be good. I can be good by myself. And God finally said, okay, go ahead. And Lucifer went on. He said, all right, watch this. I'm about to do good. And when he went to do good, he found everything just messing up. 
And it, it made him wonder, what? I'm not intending to do evil. Why is this coming out like this? It was the mystery of iniquity beginning in Lucifer's heart. So, beloved, when you and I now go out and try to do good, we find evil coming out. It's a mystery. It's the mystery of iniquity. And, beloved, it is a spell. We are under a spell of weakness to where it's like the devil dangling a carrot in front of our eyes and all of a sudden we glaze over. Anybody ever hit that? You just glaze over in the face of sin? So, beloved, the devil's spell is twofold. And in fact, I want to read a couple of statements to you. Uh, Remember that we said in Revelation 18, verse 23, that rebellion or sorcery is anything that medicates the mind so that it will not follow the will of God. Beloved, if you are in rebellion against God, if you are in rebellion against some known duty, guess what? You are under a... Come on, pastor. I want you to think about this. The Bible tells us that rejection of the will of God is sorcery. Rebellion. Anybody ever been in rebellion? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Rebellion? What does that mean? If you have been in rebellion, beloved, in fact, if you have been tempted with rebellion today, it's another way of saying that you have been tempted with sorcery or witchcraft. Now, you've said, well, you know, I'm not in some third world country, so I've never experienced witchcraft. Yes, you have. You experience it on a daily basis. The very temptation to sin, the very, the very atmosphere in which we live in, in fact, I'm going to read something to you, Councils to Teachers, page 257, We are living in an atmosphere of satanic witchery. The enemy will weave a spell of licentiousness around every soul that is not barricaded by the grace of Christ. If you're not barricaded by the grace of Christ, you're under a spell. That's what we just read. And the Bible tells us that because Galatians 3.1 tells us, Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Read it for yourself. When we refuse to obey the truth, when we refuse to live out what God has called us to live out, when I am what, by the way, did you know that uh, 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 the, the word for witchcraft in 1 Samuel 15, 23 actually means to whisper a spell? To whisper a spell. The spell. The name of the... To whisper a spell. Question, have any of you ever been walking along minding your own business? When suddenly you heard a whisper in your ear. Anyone. You know what you thought? You thought that was you talking to yourself. But what you didn't realize is that the devil has the power to communicate. And beloved, he will often speak in your own voice. And he will speak in the first person. Man, I really want to do this. Yeah, I really want to do this. And you go and you don't even realize, beloved. And again, you read the spirit of prophecy. She tells us that the devil has been experimenting upon the properties of the human mind for thousands of years. And he has learned to know it well. She says in these last days, he is working so subtly that he is uh, uh, linking the human mind with his own, imbuing it with his thoughts. 
And he is doing this work in so deceptive a manner that those who are led by his will don't even realize it. We're dealing with sorcery. We're dealing, beloved, with the supernatural. Faith I live by, page 56, every man, woman, and child that is not under the control of the Spirit of God is under the influence of Satan's sorcery, and by his words and example, he will lead others from the path of truth. You didn't hear that. Every man, woman, and child, do you know that everybody in this room is possessed? You didn't know that? Every single person in this room is possessed. Spirit-possessed, every one of you. Hollywood has told you that if you're possessed, that means that you're foaming from the lips. Beloved, let me tell you, you can be sitting in here. And be as demon-possessed as Judas was when he betrayed Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be possessed? (laughs) Let let me help you out here. How many of you want to be possessed? (laughs) Well, I'm raising my hand, so that should give you a clue. (laughs) Beloved, everyone is possessed. Either you are owned, and that's what the word possessed means. Either you are owned by the Spirit of God or you are owned by the Spirit of the devil. There's no in-between. So everybody in this room is possessed. Anybody know a sorcerer? (laughs) Let me read to you the definition of a sorcerer. Every person who cherishes a known error in faith or practice is under the power of sorcery and is practicing sorcery upon others. Signs of the Times, May 18, 1882. When I was out there in the world encouraging others to drink with me, to smoke with me, you want to know what I was? A sorcerer. By the biblical definition, I was a sorcerer, helping to medicate another person's mind to reject the will and the law of God. I often say when I speak to young people and there's, you know, a group of people sitting in the back and they're just like, we're not listening to this stuff, man. You don't listen either. And I'm like, these guys don't even know that the devil's back there tickling them. You know, they're just finding everything funny. The devil's just, they don't realize the demons are back. They just laugh, laugh. And, and they don't understand, beloved. It is sorcery, and they are actually being used as sorcerers. And, beloved, let me tell you, every one of us have, have at one time or another been a sorcerer in this room. Every one of us. Having led someone away from Christ. Having been a negative influence. You see, beloved, our definitions of things have to open up beyond Hollywood. Amen? When we look at the Word of God, we see things as they really are. We see the truth. In essence, beloved, what I'm trying to tell you... uh, uh, I was about to say this morning. This afternoon is that sin is not natural.
How many of you heard before, well, it's, sin is natural? Have you heard that before? It's natural. Beloved, sin is not natural. Sin is supernatural. Ah, oh, man. Sin is supernatural. It may be natural to sin when you're under the power of the devil, but sin is not natural. Does that make sense? Sin is the supernatural power of the enemy. That's why it is so difficult for you to break the habit. Get it now? Is it, is it adding up? Listen, listen to this quote from Amazing Grace, page 120. Our hearts are evil and we cannot change them. Education, culture, the exercise of the will. Let me tell you a story real quick. This is the best story I can ever... I've tried to think of other stories I could share and I can't share any. Has anyone ever heard my snake story? Okay, good. I can feel free to share it. My wife and I were driving and the kids were driving one day. We were in uh, up uh, Northern California and we got tired. They'll be here Wednesday, by the way, so you'll get to meet them. Um, I got four children and my wife. Okay, so we're there driving, and uh, uh, at this time, we only had the two older ones, and uh, they were getting tired, so we decided we were going to pull over and go down to this lake to have some fun, uh, stretch our legs and everything. So the kids went down through this little pathway, and uh, I, my wife was about to go down next, and, and I went to the back of the car to get something, and all of a sudden, I heard my wife going, <laughs> so what does that mean? There was a snake, a rattlesnake, right in the pathway that my kids had gone down over, and I totally hate snakes. I can't stand snakes. My mind short circuits when I see snakes. So the kids are down there by the lake. They see what's happening, and my wife is like, oh, my goodness, and and I'm standing there, and now my kids are yelling, Daddy, Daddy, be a man. Save us, save us. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, man. And so... I remember that I was, uh, no, first thing I did was I picked up these pebbles. Now the snake is like 20 feet out from me, and here I am throwing these pebbles. My mind just short-circuited, and the, the snake is looking at me like, what in the world is the matter with this guy? And so, you know, then I'm like, man, that's not working. And I so, remember that I was at a, at a camp meeting somewhere, and they were telling snake stories, and I overheard this guy saying that snakes hate human spit. So here I go, like 20 feet from the snake, And my kids are looking at me like, oh, you know, they're seven and eight. And my wife is like, what is the matter with him? And then I'm like, okay, this is not working. I got to get serious. So I jump into the back of the car to see what I can find. I jump up with the only thing I can find, which is a can of spray starch. So here I go on a windy day. 20 feet from this snake. My wife and my kids, everything has gone into slow motion for them. And they're wondering, he is not about to do what we think he's about to do. And in slow motion, they see me raise my hand. What is the point? Uh, let me tell you how I, I never, I always forget to tell this part. I finally killed the snake. I took up a rock. 
I took up a rock and 20 feet, I didn't have to get close, 20 feet from that snake, I said, Lord. And it landed on the back of that snake. And I was just happy. I ran and I jumped as high as I could over the snake, just thinking, you know, it may just come back to life. Yeah, my mind short circuits. Why do I share that story, beloved? Let me ask you something. Could it be possible that you and I are fighting a supernatural enemy with spray starch? Could it be possible that you and I are fighting the devil, are fighting, the, are fighting sin with spit? You say, what's the spit, pastor? What's the spray starch? Listen, our hearts are evil. We cannot change them. Education, culture, the exercise of the will, human effort, all have their spear, but here they are powerless. Ever grit your teeth? Had enough. Spray starch. Promises? Spray starch. Beloved, our only hope is in realizing that sin is something supernatural. It is a spell. And if it is a spell and if it is supernatural, then our only hope to break the spell is to get connected with one who is also supernatural. If you're in a third world country, somebody put a spell on you and your toes and finger began to drop off. You probably take those things up, go to the hospital, get them sewn back on. Would you rejoice then? No. You would go and find another witch doctor who also possessed what? Supernatural power. Well, beloved, the same is true in the Christian realm. We are facing an enemy, an enemy, an adversary who has the world under a spell, who has many of us under the spell of sin. And in order to break that spell, we've got to get what? Connected with one who is supernatural. And who is that one? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you, beloved, is that Christianity is not just a religion. It is a supernatural religion. Let's try it again. (laughs) Beloved, the, the new ages are growing by leaps and bounds. Why? Because they're being offered power. They're being told their religion is supernatural. They stay away from Christianity because in their minds, oh, that's just about a belief. Jesus says, as many as received him, to them gave he power. What kind of power? <laughs> Ooh, are you mean to tell me, Pastor, that, that as a juror, God not only wants to break the spell of deception over my mind, but he also wants to break the spell of weakness by giving me supernatural power? Yes, indeed. Anybody excited? You know, beloved, when I was little, I always wanted to be supernatural. Superman, X-Men, you know, whatever it was. When I was eight years old, I took a crystal. I watched Superman. And Superman, you know, we discovered who he was. He took this crystal and he went and, uh, you know, put the crystal in this thing and he became Superman. And I watched that movie at eight years old and it was wintertime in, in, in New York City. And uh, my parents were at my aunt's house, and they said, come on, it's time to go. And so as we're going, I broke a crystal off of the roof and hid it in my shirt. Because I was going to go home and be Superman. And I took that crystal, and I'm sitting in the back seat of my car, and I'm looking at the back of my parents' heads like, 
You guys don't understand. <laughs> you don't know who I am. <laughs> and, and I got home and we got the car. I said, okay, mom, dad, I got some things I need to go take care of. Crystal half melted in my pocket. Went home and just, you know, I mean, went to the backyard, took that crystal out, threw it, and nothing happened. And my dreams were shattered. Until, beloved, I picked up this book and saw what God really had in store for me. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, beloved. (laughs) Desire of Ages, page 324. When the soul surrenders itself to Christ, a new power takes possession of the new heart. A change is wrought which man can never accomplish for himself. It is a supernatural work bringing a supernatural element into human nature. Anybody interested in becoming supernatural? Okay. How, many, how much time do I have? Four minutes? Or is it, are we finished? We're finished. Oh, my goodness. I'm not finished, but we're finished. Beloved, let me make an appeal to you. As jurors, God not only promises to break the spell of deception, but he also promises to break the spell of weakness. Anybody interested in being a juror? Anybody interested in experiencing that supernatural connection with Jesus? Amen. We will continue this. And may God bless you. Hopefully, I will see you tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Please bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.